the first inspiration was probably Star Wars more than Mobius. Um, mm. and that's what we grew up on, really. And but then I think it's circular, right? Like and Ghibli as well was a big. I'd say Ghibli was personally like uh, yeah. so. Yeah. Just before we started the game, I went to. I was in Tokyo for my cousin's wedding, and uh, I went to the Ghibli Museum, and that was part of that like me looking at my hands like why the fuck am I not making something with buildings in it like going to that museum which is like a, a mm. kind of a transformative a moment <laughs> it really yeah it was I was just like I, if I'm not going to be doing stuff I like then I might as well just get go back to architecture or whatever and, and I would have you're listening to Rules of Play a game development podcast for anyone wanting industry insights deep dives on games and casual conversations Hello and welcome to Rules of Play. Uh, we have a very special episode, uh, guest episode today, featuring the wonderful Gregorius Kithriotis, uh, known for the wonderful exploration game that came out very recently called Sable, which I should hope everyone who's listening has played because it is an absolute gem. Uh, Greg, good to have you on. Uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> what an upgrade. That was like a TV host. Now we slip more... into our normal stuff. Now. I, say, um, I, think, I think we're getting more professional as each time we, we end up doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, It's not like us at all. Yeah, it's strange, that, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, like we've, I, think, I think normally we've tried to start these and we normally have a bit of like a, a round table of what everyone's... How everyone is, obviously, first and foremost, but... Um, obviously, it's game related. So, has anyone been playing something kind of interesting lately, or anything like that? I don't know if you if you want to go first. Greg seems so you're our our guest. So, I've been playing Neo: The World Ends with You recently, and nice, nice. I think what else? A couple of other small. Oh, unpacking. That's been really fun. Oh um, yeah, I've seen I've seen that on uh, I've seen loads of that on Twitter. Is it any good? I've yeah. not played it yet. Yeah, no, it's really nice. It's like. Um, yeah, it tells its story really nicely. I mean, it's weird to play. I'm moving house at the moment, so uh, it's fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So I, I'm a bit. I'm, I can only play it in short bursts, otherwise I get yeah. a bit, a bit burnt out on it. But um, no, uh, yeah, the the world ends with you. That's that's been really cool. I just went mostly. I'm just playing it to see how they put the kind of city together in that. Uh, I can remember playing the the original on the DS. I don't know how old I was, 14 or something, and mm-hmm. uh, playing this one, you know, you're seeing the same locations, but that was kind of the first time I'd seen, uh, like, Shibuya in that form, I guess. Um, mm. And since then, I guess there have been a bunch of games that have shown that specific kind of area, you know, the mm. scramble crossing, um, and then for them to now revisit it in 3D uh, is kind of, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how they how they tackled that and some of the visual mm. design elements that they and the approaches they've taken and and just like the general world design because I think you know that's something that we've done a lot recently and uh, yeah yeah, it, yeah. nice awesome. uh, what have I been playing again my I've for some I'm still just hyped up about Game Pass and I've been playing lots of things I am currently through as it's topical, currently through my Sable playthrough. Um, but then hey. I've also been <laughs> on topic for myself, been playing a game called uh, Moon Glow Bay, which is a fishing game. So there oh, you go. Fishing again. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. could have put money on saying it was a fishing game with you, Matt. It's got, got fishing to... and cooking in it. So, so we've got to try Bassmaster at some point. <laughs> I, I downloaded Bass, Bassmaster Fishing and it was terrible. So don't <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Amazing. 
Yeah, Adam, I mean, what, you, what have you been doing? Okay, oh. Sorry, Jack. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's up. Uh, kind of replaying through Sekiro, but doing a randomizer run, so I'm kind of making it harder for myself. Mm. Yeah, I watched, like, I, I, I watched like you play maybe like three minutes on the randomizer <laughs> run, and you went against, uh, what's he called? Um, Gerogino. And you like wiped him in like three minutes, and I remember when I first played Sekiro, I was stuck on that boss for like ten actual days, <laughs> so I'm in the same. Um, I've just been playing a lot of Forza Horizon 5, um, which is absolutely spectacular. Uh, I've been trying to. Yeah, you've been having troubles getting it running, haven't you? I mean, I've had a few, yeah. like, but yeah, man, I think I think um, what Playground have done um, with the Horizon series has been absolutely amazing. For, for a person who I'm not a car guy at all, and I can sit and play that game endlessly and be like, oh shit, mm. I'll give it another half an hour, and two and a half hours have gone past. So... Yeah, top marks to playground. Um, yeah, yeah, it's absolute. absolute Th that is one of those that I'm like scared to even put anywhere near my PC because I feel like it'll <laughs> blow up. Just trying to, <laughs> honestly, like it's, yeah, it's so bad, it's so bad. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't been playing much first, like besides like Dark Souls again because obviously I'm I'm on the Elden Ring hype, so I'm very much playing through all of those ones before Elden Ring comes out. So I think that's. Uh, I think that's my one, but I play that like every month anyway. So say, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's nothing new. That's a regular comeback like, game. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like, always you know, is. Uh, always the same thing. Yeah, a little comfort area for you, I think. Dark Souls. Kind of like Adam it really is. Sekiro it always seems to be. Which ah, is so weird because it's like you know everyone has their comfort games that like oh yeah I just go back to. Who the hell would say Dark Souls? What kind I'm of like masochist <laughs> would like would like say that? <laughs> Obviously, with our guests, we like to kind of dig in and work out, you know, kind of the story so far and kind of maybe your, like, game design origins and where it all kind of began. So I don't know if you can kind of talk us through how you started off and how you got to where you are now. I know it's probably a very vague question and a huge one at that, but obviously, if you can kind of take us through that journey, um, that would be amazing. Yeah, um, so... We started Shedworks in 2014, and that's the start of our game development careers, Daniel and I. Um, and prior to that, I'd been studying architecture at UCL, um, and he had been studying comparative literature. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of, <laughs> we had no relevant uh, experience in games. So we, <laughs> we were kind of like, what if we didn't think we'd even be able to get internships? Uh, which proved to be true and we <laughs> thought well what if we just start our own internship and see where we go from there and I mean even that was kind of a naive approach to everything yeah. but uh, at least we didn't think it would make us a living uh, but it, I mean it ended up doing so but that was not <laughs> than anything else and persistence but um, yeah so 2014 we started in my parents shed uh it was five of us at first. It was a bit much. It was a very, it's a very small space. Um, that was a warm summer. And it was literally the week after I graduated, I think. Um, I think Daniel had had a couple more weeks off before that. But um, yeah, and then the first couple of years, we basically did, we did a couple of mobile projects. We did, uh, we did some contract work. We did some web design. We, we were just trying to survive, basically, and make games. Making making our own games was kind of costing us money to do, if anything. Yeah. Um, 
but we were really, yeah, just, just trying to survive. And uh, after you start getting that first contract job, then it's a lot easier to, to do that. But I'd say most of the contract work was, it was more Daniel um, in his yeah. doing programming. Uh, and, you know, kind of whilst he was doing contracts, occasionally I'd get a piece of like UI design or something like that, or yeah, like some web design work, but, um, but it was never consistent. And but okay, when he was kind of doing his programming work, I would work on our games um, and push those as far as I could without him. Uh, so we did a game, we did a couple, but the last one we released was Swing King and the Temple of Bling. And it was kind of like a mobile puzzler, like a one touch mobile puzzler. Um, mm. And that was, that kind of overlapped with starting Sable actually, the release of that. But um, yeah, and Daniel just before that, I'd worked on Snipper Clips, uh, just helping get that over the line right at the end of that project. Mm. Um, and just as well, and then we kind of had Sable uh, so that would have been early 2017, uh, that stuff. But we had kind of started our first prototype of Sable in early 2016. And um, we had we used to go to London Indies pub night uh, and just take whatever we had to, to show people there. And this time we, we took it, we spent two hours on a prototype just before going to the pub. Um, and it was just like a hover car asset in a, two kilometer by two kilometer kind of sand dune asset um, with a giant cube on the horizon. And, uh, <laughs> Always. Yeah. And, and there were some uh, like uh, post effects that uh, I took from another project I was working on where I was trying to kind of recreate this uh, architectural kind of line drawing style. Um, mm. So like, like thin outlines, but I was doing, there was like an inversion to it where uh, if there was a shadowed element, it would have a white outline. And if it wasn't shadowed, it would have a black outline basically. Um, but we took that across, but we didn't do it in black and white. We did it in color. Um, and literally that was the first thing we did. Uh, we kind of hadn't, there was an idea for a game before that, um, kind of a, about exploring like a desert planet and looting giant, uh, like fallen spaceships. But, um, but this was, this was the first time we'd messed around with doing any prototype work. And mm. yeah, literally two hours took it to the pub and people kind of gathered around it and seemed interesting it, interested in it. And this was 2016, but then we pitched for, I think, UK Games Fund. And I think our pitch was just a bit of a mess. Um, I think <laughs> well, basically we didn't want, want to hire anyone, but we wanted the full funding because we thought, so we made our like, wages look really yeah. high on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they rejected us basically. And, and we kind of were like, well, look, this isn't really a viable project project. No one's really going to care about it if we make it. So we shelved it. It's kind of working on it in evenings and trying to, trying to pitch it. But, um, but you know, it was, it was very much just like a project we had on the side. And then 2017, we applied for Stugan and we had this kind of rock. We, we knew the switch was out because of because Daniel had been working on snipper clips and we kind of were like, Oh, what if we came up with like a co-op multiplayer type thing? And it was mm. like this survival rafting game. Um, and we pitched it to Stugan and I remember sent, we sent that pitch off and there was like a two week period from pitching it to, to hearing back from them where we were just, I, 
I remember just thinking, I'm going to lose my mind because I haven't made a video game with a building in it yet. And I buddy knock. I remember just like sitting there staring at my keyboard and being like, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Um, <laughs> I don't really, oh my God. this rafting game, I don't know if I could do it. Like it was, it was, it wasn't a terrible idea. You know, it mm. was, it was kind of like a overcooked style, but you're on a raft and you're trying to survive going down rapids. Right. And it was like yeah, Boy yeah. Scout sort of thing. Um, but I remember, and then I turned to Daniel and I said, I don't, I don't think I could do it. Like, I think, I think we should just try and make Sable. And if it doesn't work out, just knock it out at six months and then just go get real jobs. Um, and we kind of agreed. Uh, and then I remember like a week after that, this was, we still hadn't heard back from Stuga and then we shared a, like gifts on Twitter and they started getting popular and more popular than anything we'd ever shown. Mm. And we we're like, oh shit, uh, <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Um, I really hope we don't get accepted to Stugan because it's going to be really embarrassing when we say, like, we don't want to make that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, actually, uh, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, but. Uh, <laughs> but they, they rejected us anyway, so that wasn't a problem. But um, <laughs> the, the best rejection. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it would have been cool, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, so we did that. And then. Yeah, we just started sharing those gifts online. We had a few articles written about the game. People were kind of clearly interested. And uh, I guess we had this story about the like shed. You know, we were working in my parents' shed and people like that. Um, and we, I think that started early 2017. And then I think it was EGX. Uh, actually, it was developed, first develop, we showed, uh, we had a chat with Callum Underwood and then EGX, we showed him the game on a laptop. We had like a one hour meeting booked and it ended up becoming a two hour meeting where we we're just chatting and he was like, uh, you guys have to fly up to Stockholm next week um, <laughs> and meet Raw Fury. And we're like, okay, I mean, we don't have a pitch. Uh, yeah. And he was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so we got to Stockholm, taught them through our kind of ideas for the game. They helped us like come up with a budget to put in the contract. It was so loose that it was just like, mm, yeah. we just need well, a date. When do you think you'll finish this fight? I don't, I don't know. Okay, we'll just put a date <laughs> to have in the contract. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were really, they were really just back to the project. And I mean, we had barely a playable prototype. It was, it was rough. Um, mm. And then, and then, yeah, that was it. And then we kind of started work and, and from and late 2017 and yeah we've worked on sable since then yeah. really um so first I mean, three and a half years was see that's other yeah stuff. that's absolute blast from the past because i think it was developed that we first met wasn't it and then and then we met it again was, at egx i think i think it was that develop where we it was yeah showed because uh yeah we, we showed callum yeah again and um just had a I, remember, I remember speaking to you about it and i was like uh, you were like um Oh yeah, we we had we had that famous GIF, and I was like, "What do you mean it? What do you mean GIF?" And then you showed it me, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's no. you guys!" I was, like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, is that your stuff?" And I was like, "Oh right, so you're pitching stuff," and and they, you were like, "Yeah, yeah," and I was like, "Oh, what have you got?" And you were like, "Not much." <laughs> <laughs> it was, the GIF, it was a concept GIF, yeah, it was a yeah. Concept GIF. So that was super yeah. interesting. Like, it must be it must have been interesting to to go into um to sort of get signed by Raw Fury, and then knowing that. Uh, you had to then develop the whole game from there. Like, 
how how did you how did you feel knowing that now you were like right we've actually got to make this now and make this into an actual project i actually it didn't daunt me so uh, so much early on it was kind of just like this was this was the bit that we wanted to do this was the mm. you know everything before that was hassle was was a problem and part of the reason we signed we signed really quick with raw fury because they were offering us a deal and it was we kind of had a choice we can shop this around and look for six months and try and get a pitch together and do this do this you know do a lot of work on the business side yeah. or we can just forget that sign a deal and and you know skip that six months of pitching or whatever um and so we skipped the boring bits and we kind of just went for it and it was That's exciting true. and it, we were getting to build a team uh, we did e3 2018 so that was pretty soon after i mean that was chaotic that was yeah um, i imagine i mean the demo for that so we got invited to judges week and that demo all the like environment the setup all the logic all of that was done in three weeks or something. I think I just. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> was any of that usable after the demo was done? Or was no, it no. just one of the... Ah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> the classic, the, the classic E3 demo. But I say yeah. everyone should know when you watch a trailer mm-hmm. or a demo at E3, it's held together by duct tape and it will never be used again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, we. I'm trying to think. There was there were some assets that made it through, but mm. but not many, not many. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, the thing is, you learn a lot when you do that. You're like, okay, my metrics are, are, are way off here. My yeah. like, uh, you know, the the workflow is is a mess. Like, uh, yeah. So you you learn some things doing it, and it was it was rough. It was really rough. I mean, it was technically open world, but like, so it mm. was infinite. The 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 sand dunes were infinitely generated. So, right. um, but so it meant that if you weren't standing there people could just drive off and there was no way to get back to like where the content oh, actually was right, like there was yeah. no way oh, of no. knowing where that was because uh, <laughs> there was no compass no map nothing like that um, i'm just picturing yeah. some poor person sat there just driving off and he's been playing it for like three hours and he's just got like tears <laughs> going down his face of like <laughs> but, but the hover bike was really fast then as well it was right. it was like crazy to drive it was mm. you could just go flying i think people just enjoyed that though and that was yeah. like with you know we had that essence of the game in that first two hour prototype that we took to the mm. pub and like that still carried on but the, i think the other thing that we had was just the visual style i think yeah, yeah it's one thing to see in a gif but i think when it's running yeah. natively on a computer in 4k it it mm. it holds up in a much more interesting way yeah. but um yeah, it was so that was that was uh, trial by fire, and then the trailer. We did the trailer after that, and that was. I mean, literally for that judges week, Daniel. So I I'd, I'd done the really kill myself to get that the demo mm. content ready, and he flew out for forty eight hours to LA and back to uh, oh to God. demo it. Forty eight hours he was in America. Um, oh my like, God, that's probably like twenty hours of flights. For yeah, 48 yeah. hours in literally, uh... literally, oh it was, um, and he was just demoing it. <laughs> oh my like gosh, the world's press, and we, yeah, we were like one of eight games or something, uh, in oh Judges God. Week or something. I, I can't remember, but, um, oh. but yeah, and then E3 was, was, we were on the PC gaming, 
mm. stage and that was like that was when we first announced the name which i mean it's really funny because uh we we kind of told raw fury like we haven't announced a name yet you know we called it the project sable um like the files but we haven't come up with a name and then they came to us about i don't know a week or two before the trailer and they're like what are you going to call it and we said well we were thinking sable <laughs> which is <laughs> <laughs> you've just been <laughs> having that name yeah because yeah. we we'd announced originally when they went when they were announcing that we had signed with them they were like uh we've got to put a name on it it can be something we rename and we're like oh just call it project sable that's fine okay and then like two months later they're like okay so what's the actual name we're like uh Sable. Just Sable. Just, just yeah. Sable. Why am I, why am I imagining it like that scene in Social Network when he sat there and he's like, lose the the from the Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite as uh, dramatic as that. Well, although they were like, uh, someone was like, can you at least like put a, a subtitle on it or something? We're like, oh, we think that's worse. We think it's not yeah. good. But um, yeah, I remember we were getting up on stage to show it at PC Gamer. And I mean, I'm really glad my stomach was empty that day because I think I would have bricked it, completely, literally <laughs> bricked it if I had <laughs> um, But the, um, they, they were going to just have us introduce us and just show B-roll behind us and no trailer. And we were like, no, we literally came here to show the trailer. Like we didn't come here. We, we don't, we'd rather you didn't show us on stage and you just show mm. the trailer if that's where you So. And that was like caught literally like a couple hours before. It was like, oh no, oh wow, Oof. please show the trailer. Um, but yeah, so that was, and that that was, it was really early. I mean, mm. really early, uh, and we knew it. But um, but I think we just we we were able to use that to get our deal with Microsoft, which kind of allowed us to expand the team and expand the project and. Mm -hmm. um, so it's actually really useful to, to have gone that early, but I hope we don't have to do that on a project again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nerve-wracking. You get the good exposure and stuff, but it's a hard press, I imagine, to get on the stage and have all of that shit ready for it. Yeah. Um, it invites pressure on as well, just long-term. Just mm, so, like, people are like, oh. And people also extend the time that they, they were, they're like, this was announced in 2014. And you're like, no, I promise you. <laughs> <You're not>. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this for years. What is yeah. this? Well, it's yeah. like, um, you know, me and me and Jack have been waiting for a little devil inside for eight years oh, God, now or God, something. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that whole it thing. Out, it's like, oh, it still exists. We, it might <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's that it it does look very really cool. There's yeah. some bits that have changed since his last time yeah. on the recent one, but it's still very exciting. Yeah, I like what they're doing with scale there, with the world map and the over. Yeah, over, that was that was stuff like that. That's interesting to me. It's very different to what like the original trailer, well, even the trailer that they did on the last Sony showcase like a year ago. It's like quite different. So it's interesting to see how much that has changed. Um, yeah. I mean, for Sable, that actually didn't change for us. Like, our core concept mm. just stayed extremely consistent. Like, we had a very kind of pure vision for it, and that's kind of what we executed on in the end, um, which I think isn't necessarily super common, but mm -hmm. it, it's a weird one because we both didn't have 
we don't have like loads of combat mechanics or anything that you need to iterate on and test all the time, but we couldn't actually test the, the core loop of the game until you have like, I don't know, 70% of it there because you need to, people need yeah. to be able to go and do stuff yeah. at their own pace and the spacing and the, the mm. kind of way things are laid out are, are so, so core, so intrinsic to the experience that you can't, can't really simulate that in a smaller environment. Yeah, you so can't get the the world exploring feeling yeah. without a world to actually explore yeah. that's there and stuff that you can touch bases with. I mean, a really a really cool moment for like I said, I'm still going through it, but a really cool moment for me was obviously when you know you first leave the camp and then you get the the great Japanese breakfast song playing over the top of it, and that was such a cool moment of. Uh, really feeling the exploration and oh, I can go anywhere and this soundtrack's playing over the top of it. And that was amazing to me that you managed to get those, I mean, they're not the world's biggest band, but I also knew how they, how you got those people and how much sound was a thing for that game before you got them, or was it something that you carried on once you signed them? Um, well, uh, so really it's just one person, it's Michelle, uh, and mm -hmm. she came on really early, really early, so it was uh, it wasn't such a problem to, in terms of having to change a project to accommodate or anything like that. And we kind of, we partnered her up with Martin uh, Kvala, who he's really experienced sound designer. So we we kind of thought that was a sensible pairing just because she hadn't really uh, done done a game like this before. And he, he had done plenty of games before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we actually hadn't really done a game like this before. So it was kind of like, okay, we need an experienced hand who can help kind of guide the process but also it's cool to have someone fresh who who just has never you know who can bring totally different ideas to it um mm. but in terms of getting her involved uh basically jack uh daniel had read an article on polygon she had done a game kind of like a rpg maker type of thing yeah i read that she'd done one of those with, for like the album yeah yeah yeah, exactly. And it was kind of like she'd done chiptune versions of the album songs and done them as the background tracks to this like kind of small RPG maker type project. And she'd done an interview on Polygon and he read that and he was, we were, we were looking for uh, composers at the time and we'd had a conversation with a, a kind of number of games composers and there were some, you know, some really good ones. Um, but uh, I think we just, we, we kind of liked the idea of, working with someone who wasn't in games uh, a lot mm. and I think that was just exciting for us and I mean she was she was really amazing to work with actually because she's so hardworking. it's not like someone who just delivers a bunch of uh, you know sound assets music files and just fucks off she was she was testing builds right oh, really? oh, yeah. yeah 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 regularly she'd you know leave google docs of notes like several oh, you know wow yeah oh, that's and, awesome looking at implementation because we and we did a kind of workshop in uh martin uh like cabin in the norwegian fjords um and it was just like a week with us four daniel myself uh, michelle and martin and, and we kind of went over the ideas of the implementation and we we kind of talked about using silence as much as we use sound for that and tried to like you know just you know get 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 her to understand like the implementation side a lot more. And she was really open-minded with that stuff. And mm. she said throughout the whole project, like, 
uh, she was always checking in, like, are you happy with this? You know, I just want to fit, fit your vision. But um, I think in a way we wanted her to be more like, and, and she ended up, you know, contributing so much as a dialogue. I think that was what was ended up being so important. Like the, the first track, the glider track, that was like yeah. one of the earliest tracks we got. And it was for that trailer. And I think we got that and we were like, yeah, we need to deliver a trailer and a game that kind of matches this standard. Um, and it, yeah, I guess it raised our ambition too. Uh, maybe we would have kind of thought overall a bit smaller, um, but mm. yeah, the attention and the, the standard uh, quality that she and other uh, collaborators delivered was just like, okay, want to keep pushing and pushing. Because yeah. as soon as one thing is at a higher level, yeah, Every, it makes everything else. It's a <laughs> thing, right? It's like shit. Fuck, this one needs to be here now. You, you hear that? You hear that track by them, and you're like, oh shit, we've got to do more <laughs> of the game. <laughs> it's a bit of a backpedal. What we talked about before, but I think. Because the game's got such like a strong like visual and like audio identity, and you were saying before like when you first showed it off, when like the base prototype was there, like if even if it was just like the speeder bike and you know the kind of June setup, how um how integral was like the art direction like from the get go? Because I think I remember the first the trailer first came out and I had a mate message me and he was like, oh have you seen this game? And I'm like, no. He was like, it looks like living, breathing Morbius art, and I'm like what someone's done that show me it now and we looked at it, it was like oh my god they've nailed this so like mm -hmm. was that always because i think you said before like the the project never really swayed from your original intention but was that always like here's this mood board bang it's we're going this way or was it something that like everything like kind of developed and evolved over time yeah that came really early on and yeah you're right like uh i mean obviously we looked a lot of mobius we looked a lot of just other like clear line and just illustrators, I guess, in general, like yeah. the core, the kind of thing that we, it, we knew it was what made us stand out in a lot of ways. Maybe the concept on its own would have worked if we used the more kind of uh, standard kind of hand drawn, you know, like hand drawn textures style, yeah. like a kind of, but, you know, looks very 3D. Maybe the concept would have still held up. I don't know, but I think we really knew that it was what grabbed people's uh, attention and it on a production level um it meant our focus was elsewhere but uh it gave us efficiencies in places that we were comfortable um mm. so uh you know there was not a lot of texture work for example so and i i don't i don't enjoy doing textures that much so <laughs> uh they made that slightly easier for example um although that became more actually that was a decision we thought we made early on but actually it became more more of a texture focus later on and actually spent a lot of time hand drawing textures on an ipad you know to get them in the game and keep that hand hand drawn feeling but mm. um but yeah our entire objective early on was to try and make a game that looked 2d um even though it's 3d and and just to make have that visual visual effect of you know, someone could be looking at it and then it kind of turns and reveals itself. And like, mm. you know, people, I think that's always felt like a bit of a magic trick um, mm. when people first saw it. Or you get questions, people being like, oh, uh, 
is this an animation or is this, you know, did you draw this or whatever? And you're like, yeah, this is, this is exactly the kind of response that we want. And that's what we pushed for uh, on the technical side, but it comes, you know, with a lot of challenges because that reading depth, we're making a platformer gameplay has always got to come first really. So, um, so, you know, we had to, we had to work with that and develop techniques around that. And yeah, it developed a little bit over time to solve those problems. Um, and stuff like uh, draw distance was a kind of annoying issue to deal with. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, just depth. depth was the hardest thing to deal with, I'd say. But we, I think we managed to solve that uh, fairly well. Um, obviously, we don't rely too much on it. And, and that's kind of the, the hover orb idea is kind of related to mm. allowing the player some control after they, after they jump. Um, so yeah, that was, helped a lot. Was that gliding always the main, because the main thing is exploring, but was that gliding something that you came in after when you were working out for platforming or was it always the idea that we want them to be able to do that? Um, I can't really remember. Uh, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think we played Breath of the Wild and we were just like, okay, there's a lot of lessons to learn from this. And mm. uh, that had kind of come out after we had the initial concept. And when it, when it was announced, I remember we we literally turned to each other and we're like, well, for fuck's sake, like now, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally the game I want to play, um, but yeah. uh, also really annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we realised actually, no, you know what, we can learn a lot from this. And also, the biggest thing I think is in a way it helped us to communicate the feeling of the game, like what mm. what people the, the approach that people should come into the game with, and. Mm how they should think about parts of it. It's obviously a kind of a dangerous game to play because if you you compare yourself too closely to something like that, you're setting in possible standards. Yeah. Um, nice. But yeah. But to have that, yeah, like you're saying, to have that massive AAA stepping stone thing to be like, you know, look at this, and then we've done this really cool thing. Like you, you can yeah. get that yeah. way it, into it, it I suppose. It helps, you know, you can look at how they've solved certain problems or, or what they've, what techniques they've used or what, what have you. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean you apply the same solution to every problem, but it gives you more information without having to necessarily prototype it yourself and iterate and test and, you know, go through that process. So, yeah, it saves time um, to be able to see a executed solution mm. of some sort, even if it's, even if it doesn't quite work, like some of the, uh, I'd say one of the biggest inspirations was a game I didn't actually, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't, I don't <laughs> like saying negative things about uh, games publicly, but, um, but you know, there, there's a game that I think had some really nice ideas, but terrible, terrible execution. And, mm. but if you could kind of like squint a little bit, it was actually, it actually was pretty good. And like those sorts of things you're like, oh, you know what, like, there's something here and and you can yeah playing a bad game is often as useful as playing a good game i think yeah. uh, when you're yeah when you're mm, firm, firm believer yeah. of that there's so we'll, many, uh, many diamonds in the rough isn't there about yeah. some games i mean like you said what you perfect if you squint a little bit and you can just step mm. around those little issues like there's an absolute gem here um it's just yeah. if they had you know if they had an extra an extra year or if they had that one person on their team who knew how to fix that one thing it's it's crazy it is 
that's that's the thing with us, isn't it? We've got we've kind of got the insight to be like, oh, we we see what you. Oh, that was so close. Yeah, but, uh, we'll we'll find out what game that is uh, when we finish. Yeah. Got to keep so, some um, secrets for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the best thing about it is that we can do that. <laughs> um, I'd say that yeah, going back to sort of like the open world design and things like that. I think one of my favorite areas of the game is the um, it was called the Crystal Plateau, and I remember the first time getting there and seeing this immense storm above there and all of these like really amazing characters that you sort of haven't seen before because you've seen kind of humanoid characters uh, around who are similar in height to you but then you've got these big hulking ones and uh, with the sticks and like, what the hell's going on here um it, it was absolutely incredible to get there but and then you obviously you've got like these different areas of the game that are completely unique to themselves like the wash and and the, the main dunes and things like that but did um did you have a plan for those in the beginning like you knew that you wanted this many areas or was it sort of a Oh, we want to try this kind of like feeling in this area, and we'll we'll see what that feels like. Or how did you? Yeah, no, what was the design process? I mean, we had so many, so many. I mean, <laughs> I don't remember how many biomes <laughs> we had planned out originally, like fourteen or something. Uh, we ended up with six total, I think. Mm. And yeah. you know, we wanted it so you could go up into the mountains and you could, you know, all this stuff. But um, but at some point, you just have to draw the line and be like, oh, we we won't get this done. Um, yeah. But the, the, yeah, the Crystal Plateau, that, that stuff, I think, yeah, we just wanted variety as well and things that you encountered that felt not so deserty, I guess, and it felt, <laughs> you know, that, you know, you, when you spend four years making stuff, you kind of want to stretch your, stretch your muscles a little bit yeah, and yeah. do something a bit yeah. different uh, yourself just on a production level, but um, you're also just stretching the tools you have and, and twisting what you have and thinking different ways you can use them, um, like fog and distance, foggy kind of areas. That was something that was actually really difficult to pull off visually and um, took a lot of iteration. And But, you know, you kind of just commit to something. You say, like, no, I want this to have this atmosphere and you figure out ways to, that you think you can solve it. But in that style, it's very difficult. And And I think that whole area was actually inspired by the, the whole like uh, Hakoa. Um, so actually a lot of the inspiration was from like real world desert environments or mountains mm-hmm. or just landscapes. So um, so the wash, for example, was kind of loosely inspired by uh, the white desert. Um, and I think I've played a lot of the exploration mode in, um, in Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, just looking at oh, the yeah. different like biomes that they have there and then doing then further research beyond that um, and looking looking at what those look like in real life and, and but and then those those kind of provide like a inspirational groundwork for creating a different kind of rhythm so like okay I want something that has to, is tonally a bit darker but in terms of the the rhythm of the biome maybe it has uh, you know it has taller kind of uh, arching structures that mean that visually things are much more difficult to pass out and to, to track. And it's much harder to orient yourself in that environment. Um, mm. Whereas like the wash has these kind of like chalky mounds, which are much more flat. And, and actually the, the the sand itself is a lot more flat than say, than the, than the Eastern or Western dunes. Um, and, and so things as you're exploring those areas kind of reveal themselves to you 
in a different at a different pace and at a different rhythm. Um, and I think that was something that was really important for each biome to have a different different rhythm. Like I keep thinking of it as rhythms. Like each one mm -hmm. has a different kind of BPM in a way. You know, it's like a and that's kind of how and mostly it's to do with how you structure the the kind of base baseline kind of wave pattern and then mm. the rhythm of the rocks that kind of right. break those things up. Um, and each of those, I think, has a kind of distinct scale and also shape. So that was, mm. and then and then the color kind of comes after that when it when you're thinking more about tone. Um, and yeah, that that's more instinctive process. That's just like all the colors and I did all the color in a game. And so whenever I sat down to do one of those, I really was like, no, this is like, fuck off. This is mine. Like, don't, <laughs> like, I really wanted to be really firm on that. Um, mm. I was really determined to, to keep control on that. And um, that was just because I wanted it to be consistent and I wanted also to be aware of like what was going on in other biomes. And I think that was really hard to convey otherwise. So it's simpler if one person who has that stuff in their head just can keep on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If I was more organized, then you could probably get other people to do it, but I'm not. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, know, know your limitations, eh? That's it. Yeah, Let me exactly. have my messy pile over here. I know where the mess is situated. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, that, but yeah, yeah. The idea of, like you're saying, rhythm in, in the exploration and the and the landscape is super interesting. Do you think that you found, I guess, some experience from your, like you said, you studied architecture and stuff before that. Do you think that affected a lot of what you were designing with the level design and sometimes the environment? Yeah, big time. Like, I think that was everything. That was everything. Mm. I mean, when I think about rhythm, I'm thinking about, like, uh, in architectural terms, like columns, for example, they're just mm. like, they all have a rhythm, they all have like a, you know, you get different spacing for different reasons and different structures, different eras, different, you know, uh, and those all have a different effect on how you experience space and how you mm. uh, kind of encounter it and how, how it reveals itself to you. And I think um, that kind of translates it to natural design. I mean, I don't want to overstate it, you know, like it, it's kind of something that comes relatively instinctive as well. There wasn't some incredibly uh formulae formulae yeah it's I like go learn about this it. exact thing yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like I, I um it's not that strategic but uh that's kind of always how i had it in my head um but that's also how i would how i think about certain reveals certain moments like uh, turning the player through an environment and making sure i think a lot of a lot of the world exploration and driving the bike was about kind of preventing the player from doing certain things as well and like forcing mm. them into certain movements um, that we thought might be interesting on the bike but also uh, allow us to do more interesting things with the kind of islands of kind of content like the actual uh, levels I guess um, because those were the, the whole structure of the game um, had to be very loose otherwise we mm. couldn't really make it if we were depend if we had too many dependencies we couldn't really produce the game because which cut so much by the end because we just didn't know how long things would take us to make or, or not and um yeah if we, if if we were 
so yeah, basically each biome allowed us to have some consistency between these spaces, but also um, create unique approaches even for the same thing. So, you know, we kind of have these ships and those, I think those are quite interesting because mm. uh, I try to like have it so that each one has a totally unique entrance, for example, um, you know, has its own puzzle inside. It, they're not just purely cut and paste, um, but there are elements of them that are cut and paste because they're ships and, and you know, it's kind of necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pr products of an industrial process. Um, yeah. But um, but I think a thing that adds a bit of variety to them is also just like the context, what you see out of them, what you see when you approach them, and then how they reveal themselves to you. So, you know, this one's stuck in a rock that's higher up, or another one's kind of stuck between uh, two cliffs, or, mm. uh, or there's just another one sitting in the dunes. And each of those is a is a different a different kind of variation on a, on a theme in a way, and I guess that's what that that landscape variety gives you. Um, so yeah. it's it's a useful tool, and I think. But we did all the landscapes procedurally, so they're all based on patterns, um, and then you know we locked that down to a single seed, and we kind of said, okay, this is this is our world. Uh, design the levels within that and that's where uh, so i kind of always one of the difficult things about going from architecture to level design is um in architecture you're always given a, a context you're always given like a really grounded thing <laughs> whether it's like <laughs> yeah. your budget whether it's the location the client whatever um you always have something um to work even just like even if you, if you, the absence of something is is almost something in in yeah. that, yeah, uh, yeah, but you're always going to have like ground or material in in level. You have nothing. You have it, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Make it all and up, it, and it's yeah. got to be yeah. fun. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much and how it, it, how like, nice you are with the art team is normally where it is <laughs> level design. It's for how much shit can I pull on these poor people? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that mean, but but that's also a problem because if you're the person also doing the art, imagine you've got your like, you're like, kind of like yeah, you've got like a bit of a two-faced scenario. Like, this is really sick level yeah. design wise. You're like curses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh well, that level design is done. Damn you, Greg. <laughs> Pretty Looking much. At the check -in I mean, logo. I yeah yeah not to like uh we did we did bring in artists and uh yeah. and uh, we brought in a level a junior designer to help with the, getting those levels over the line and getting cleaning up yes. geometry and stuff like that yeah. by the end but um at first it was it was me me hating on me uh and after that <laughs> i let everyone else let everyone else do with my shit but um love it, love it. but no it you know it so what we tried to use those biomes that procedural generation for was like our nature context layer. I mean, you get a bit of context from like narrative, you get a bit of context from gameplay and like uh, metrics and, and those sorts of things. So you do, you do have something, but in the very beginning, you don't, you have to make those rules yourself. And once yeah. you've established like a couple of those, then it's, it becomes much easier to build up from that. But early on, it's really hard. So to, to have those layers was, helpful as a designer i found um i've heard but, um uh, there's a yeah. there's a level designer who used to work at naughty dog he works at media molecule now uh peter field um and his 
even when he's designing stuff which isn't have procedural generation, like just a level, his main technique, regardless of really what level he's making, unless it's like a spaceship level in the middle of nowhere, he always starts with whether it's just building some kind of terrain or like land geometry. And he always starts with that because it's kind of what you've just been saying there. Like it provides all of the kind of context to where shit would be if it was a building. Like if you're building yeah. a house on a hill, it's going to be different compared to building it on kind of like leveled out foundation land, right? So it's really interesting to yeah. see that like that's first and foremost where their process it was. And it's probably why the game world does feel as like, you know, kind of real and lived in as it actually does because it's it was the start point first and then it was you guys probably going away and going, all right, let's put a ship here. Like, why is it here though? Like, oh, it's made a crash landing in this crater because it would, that's be a nice place to land or something. Um, so yeah, I think it does do a lot of the heavy lifting, even before you layer in narrative and environmental storytelling and even gameplay, um, kind of like you said as well. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just ignore it because you've got to get something done, but, uh, you know, it's the base philosophy that you start with and, uh, you hope when you have to start making those really quick decisions, you hope that the, the kind of groundwork you put down just is in the back of your head the whole time whilst you're doing yeah. it. But, um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, I think it's easier. Uh, I think it's not easier, but you produce more interesting results when you have those limitations because you're forced to design within them. Whereas if you can just keep changing, oh, I have a problem, so I'll just delete what the, you know, is causing me the problem. Yeah. then you don't come up with the interesting solution, which, uh, I mean, sometimes it is best to just delete the problem, but sometimes it is, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one, and you have to kind of make, make a judgment call, I guess. Uh, that, mm. That's kind of where the experience and the, uh, that stuff comes in. It's like, when do I when do I just, like, delete this rock, or when do I work with it? Um, and it, it yeah. It's when to break the rules that you've made as well, because sometimes it's not going to, you know, you design them so that they work in every scenario, but sometimes it's like, well, I'll we'll just yeah, fiddle this one a little, little bit. <laughs> this is going to work this way. All right, well, um, I think we're coming up to an hour now, so uh, Adam always has the sign-off <laughs> question. So, so uh, what would you say your proudest moment of your career is so far? Or favorite moment working on Sable or anything like that? Um, God, I really, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, trying to think. I mean, I really, the demo was in a way more enjoyable or interesting release than the game. Um, because we really didn't know what, uh, what to expect from people's response and, and the response was, and there's lower pressure in a way because you're not getting, you're not having to sell anything. And it's just a smaller experience, but um, yeah, I mean, just seeing people's response to that, I think, I think hopefully in a couple of years, I'll say the release of the game, but at the moment I feel <laughs> kind of close to it. Um, and, uh, but that always happens with whatever you make, uh, I think, uh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, great. So this has been an amazing chat and we have been Rules of Play and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks a lot, Thanks guys. for coming, Greg. Thanks for Thanks having for you on, mate. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.